1: Mark was talking about, and certainly love to get you hooked up. If you want to do it just by the telephone, we can do that also. And you can give the office a call, 618-262-2810 and find out more about that also. Like I said earlier, we do have with us from Mount Carmel, Illinois, Prophet Tom Deggert.
2: We will start in Deuteronomy 6, the fourth verse, and we will read this together. On uh, just a bit further with uh, Passover. Now, thus far, we have covered, I'm not sure how many hours, but probably five or six hours so far on the subject of Passover. Hopefully that you're taking notes and hopefully you're studying these scriptures so that you'll know what is so important about Passover, why it is important, what God is trying to do through Passover in our lives, just as he has done throughout the generations in the lives of people that would keep Passover. Passover was set by God for his people. And we are His people, whether you call yourselves a Christian or you call yourselves a Jew, or know that you're a Jew because you're a Christian, you're still His people. Amen. And so tonight I want to look at, as we have looked at the first uh, uh, parts of uh, Passover, tonight I want to look at the seventh day of Passover. The seventh day of Passover. Now, the first day of Passover is important, and we're instructed that we're to do no work on the first day of Passover, and we're also instructed to do no work on the last or the seventh day of Passover. So start with me tonight in Leviticus 23, 5 through 8. In the fourteenth day of the first month at even, in the Lord's Passover... And on the fifteenth day of the same month in the Feast of Unleavened Bread unto the Lord, seven days you must eat unleavened bread. Now does everybody understand that we're going to eat unleavened bread for seven days? Yuck. Okay? In the first day you shall have a holy convocation. You shall do no several work therein. But ye shall offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord seven days. And the seventh day is a holy convocation. Ye shall do no several work therein. So the first day and the seventh day, there's to be no work. Now, again, for those of you that have jobs and and you have bosses, you're not going to be able to go up and say, hey, I'm keeping Passover, so I'm not going to work the first day and the last day of Passover. Uh, You could, you know, at best you could go up and ask if there's a possibility that you could get off of those things. But, But please understand, Passover is like everything else. The kingdom of God is within what? Your heart. And if, in fact, you can keep this thing in your heart, you will have done very well. And if you have to work the first day and the last day of Passover, God understands those things. So don't go out and quit the job this, uh, you know, come up Passover and say, well, I quit the job because I couldn't be off and I I want to be right in God's eyes, not man's eyes. Well, you know, that's foolishness. And, uh, you know, Passover comes once a year. It'll be back around next year. It's been back around for 3,000, uh, what was that, 3,310 years we've had Passover. And I'm sure that we're going to have another one next year. So the fact of it is maybe next year can change. But if it doesn't, just don't go up and, and tell your boss that you quit if you can't have off the first and the last day of Passover. That wouldn't be what God would want you to do. I'll guarantee you that. Exodus, the 12th chapter, the 14th verse. Exodus 12:14. And this day shall be unto you for a memorial, and you shall keep it a, a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. You shall keep it a feast by an ordinance forever. Now, we've been through this, but I want to go through it again because it talks about this setting the seventh day aside. Seven days shall ye eat unleavened bread. Even the first day ye shall put away leaven out of your houses. For whosoever eateth leavened bread from the first day until the seventh day, that soul shall be cut off from Israel." And in the first day there shall be a holy convocation, and the seventh day there shall be a holy convocation to you. No manner of work shall be done in them, save that which every man must eat that only may be done of you. And ye shall observe the Feast of Unleavened Bread, for in this selfsame day have I brought your armies out of the land of Egypt. Therefore shall ye observe this day in your generations by an ordinance forever." So we understand by that that this is to be done forever. And it has been done mostly forever. There's been times that Israel was obedient and rebelled against God and kept not the Passover. But uh, as we're being able to formulate this and put this together, I think by now you're, you're getting the idea that when Israel kept Passover... The miraculous things happen for Israel even during that time. And at any time anybody tried during Passover, that would seem to be the time when God set his people free. And as I said uh, Friday night, I don't think there's too much of a stretch of imagination at all needs to be had to understand that God will set his people free during those last days when that great army comes from the north. And it will be on Passover because that's when he's always set them free. Uh, he's never he has never gone in any other direction than that, and I see no reason why he'll change that even in this time and this hour. Now, in the thirteenth chapter of Exodus, and the fourth the fourth verse, thirteen four, thirteen four, says, "This day came ye out of the out in the month of A- A- Abib, which is Aviv, the month of March, and you shall be." Uh, "...when the Lord shall bring thee unto the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, which he swore unto thy fathers to give thee a land flowing with milk and honey, that ye shall keep this service in this month." So it has to be in the same month. Seven days thou shalt eat unleavened bread, and in the seventh day shall be a feast unto the Lord. Unleavened bread shall be eaten seven days, and there shall no leavened bread be seen with thee, neither shall there be leaven seen with thee in all thy quarters." And thou shalt show thy son in that day, saying, This is done because of that which the Lord did unto me when I came forth out of Egypt. And it shall be for a sign unto thee upon thine hand, and for a memorial between thine eyes, that the Lord's law may be in thy mouth. For with a strong hand hath the Lord brought thee out of Egypt. Thou shalt therefore keep this ordinance in his season from year to year. So there again is the commandment of God telling us that that's what we're to do. Now, in Numbers 28, the book of Numbers 28, and, of course, it wasn't like these things haven't been here all this time because, as I said, they have been here from the beginning. 16th verse, one more time, it says, And the 14th day of the first month is the Passover of the Lord. So we all should understand by now that the 14th day of the uh, the first month, what is the first month uh, as of this year? It is in the month of April. Will be the the first month of the new year in the Hebrew calendar, which again is a lunar calendar. It says, uh, uh, "Let's see. I was reading in the 16th verse, 17. And in the fifteenth day of the, the month of feast, seven days shall unleavened bread be eaten. In the first day shall be a holy convocation. You shall do no manner of several work therein." But ye shall offer a sacrifice made by fire for a burnt offering unto the Lord, two young bullocks and one ram, seven lambs of the first year. They shall be unto you without blemish. And their meat offering shall, shall be of the of flour mingled with oil, 3 tenth deals, deals, I'll get that in a minute, that's, that's measures, shall be offered for a bullock and two-tenths deals for a ram several-tenth deal shall be for offered for every lamb throughout the seven lambs. Now, what's he doing? Well, he's this atonement is having to be made. Now, of course, the difference we understand and, and the fact that we don't want to miss at all is the fact that Jesus came and made that sacrifice out of himself, sent by the Father to do exactly what we're talking about here on this time. Now, the, the neat thing about Passover is to realize that everything that God did 3,310 years ago was to bring it forth, to bring it forth a 1,000 years or thereabout 1,000 years in order for his only begotten son to become that sacrificial lamb. And that's what we're doing. We're not doing anything any differently today. The sad part is that the Jewish community today, uh, for the most part, still knows not that the Messiah came. All right? Now... As I've told you, the neat thing, again, about it is that that, uh, they're finding out more and more uh, as uh, the time goes on that, that he is and has been all along the Son of God. I mean, in Jesus or in Hebrew, Yeshua. If you'll turn with me in Exodus, the 14th chapter and the 29th verse. Now, we'll read this, 1429. But the children of Israel walked upon dry land in the midst of the sea, And the waters were a wall unto them on their right hand and on their left. left. Of course, this is when the Red Sea, or as the Hebrews call it, the Sea of Reeds, was opened up by God for them to go across. Now, there's something interesting in this, and I want to take time to talk about deliverance, and I want to talk about destruction, so that you can get uh, more of an idea maybe what God was doing here. The, the, The thing that happened here was, it says in the first part of this, but the children of... Israel walked upon dry land in the midst of the sea. Now, of course, we know and been taught for generations in, uh, in Christianity that the, the ocean actually stood up on its side and began to gel, and they walked across as on dry land, and, and that's true. Now, the Hebrews believe that this came a time when, in fact, some of them jumped into the Red Sea while the water was parting or getting ready to part, and therefore their faith was strong by the time that they touched the water it had parted and they walked upon the dry ground in the midst of the sea. And that's the reason that's there. In fact, that, the Hebrew of that is exactly the same wording. So, so they, in other words, what, what they were really trying to, to come about was God's miraculous deliverance power coming to pass. Now, everything that God does when he miraculously delivers Israel, there's always a destructive end on the other side. When he put, had him put the, the blood upon the doorposts and the lintel of their homes, that the death angel would pass over them and they not be destroyed or they not be uh, killed, they wouldn't die during that time. The same miracle that saved Israel destroyed the firstborn of Egypt, man and beast. And so God, it was something the way God did these things, that God set everything up. In order to show not only Israel but everybody around Israel that Israel is God's chosen people, say I'm God's chosen. I'm God's chosen. We are God's chosen. We are children of God. As I said, there is no difference between uh, between bless God uh, whether you call yourself a Jew as trying to be a Christian or a Christian trying to be a Jew or whatever. The fact of it is, you're, we are God's children. We have selected throughout the generations and has chosen throughout the generations to forget Jesus' Jewishness, to forget that we had Jews that were absolutely proclaiming themselves as Christians, but they did at that point in time still keep all the feasts of which God laid before them even through Moses to keep. They kept those feasts, and and, uh, I think we're readily coming upon the, the fact that this is true, and that somehow or other maybe we have somehow missed some things. in Exodus 13 the 17th verse, 1317. And it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go that God led them not through the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. for God said, at least preadventure, this, the people repent when they see war and they return to Egypt. Now there was, a, there was a problem going on here, all right? There was a problem going on here. He wanted them, they could have gone directly uh, by the way of the Philistines. But God didn't want them to go that way because he thought if they saw the war, they wouldn't want to fight. Now, you know, it ended up they didn't want to fight anyway. That's the reason they spent 40 years wandering around in the wilderness because they didn't believe evidently that God was going to deliver them even though God told them through Moses that he was going to deliver them that they went to spy out the land finally. And when they came back, they said, We can't take the land because there's giants in the land and they're, they're too big and they're too great and they're too strong. And, and you know, Joshua and Caleb, you're a couple of idiots and, you know, you're running away. with Your face run off your back pockets. You don't know what you're talking about and we're not going. And they didn't, and all of them had to die off except Caleb and Joshua and didn't get to go in and and enter into the Canaan land. But by the time 40 years had passed, Israel was well able to receive the fact that God by a mighty hand was going to deliver them out of the hand of the Canaanites and the Hivites and Jebusites and all the rest of them. And and so they, they were hungry enough, they were ready to go in and take over that which God had told them to take over the first time. So this is the seventh day in which this was all taking place, all right? This was the seventh day that came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go, and God led them not through the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near, for God said, "Lest preadventure the people repent when they see war, and they return to Egypt. Now <clears throat> it says, But God led the people about through the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea, and the children of Israel went up, harnessed out of the land of Egypt. And, of course, they took the bones of Joseph when they went. Now, in Exodus fifteen twenty-six, it says, And they said that I shall diligently hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God, and will do that which is right in his sight, and will give ear to his commandments, and keep all these statues. I will, I will put none of these diseases upon thee, which I have brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. This was the seventh day. So what's he telling them? He said, If you will diligently hearken unto the voice, if you'll do what I tell you to do. He said, none of these diseases, none of these diseases that I put upon Egypt will come upon you. Because he said, I am the Lord that healeth thee. I'm a firm believer that if you're lined up with God's Word, you have to first know what God's Word is. Amen? Because if you don't know what God's Word is, it's hard to line up with God's Word. And I am also a firm believer that, bless God, that what we get into with these things, if we're not real careful, is that we begin to to, to think that what we know is the way it is. Amen? Don't we? I mean, isn't it a fact that what we know is pretty well the way it is and everybody else is wrong because they haven't been to the school we've been to or read the book that we've read or been in, been in the church that we've been in, so because we call ourselves this, 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 or this, we're right and everybody else is wrong? Am I not wrong by saying that? Of course I'm not. The danger is it is never what you, don't, what you know, it's what you don't know. That's what the dangers are to the walk that we have with the Lord today, the changes that God takes us through. And we're going through a a tremendous change in this organization. But the change that we're going through in this organization, this same change will be going on all across the face of this earth because we are about to return to our Jewish roots. We're about to return and receive the fullness of God. See, I've been an advocate for years. If you line up with the Word of God, God has no way, means, shape, or form not to bless you. The problem has been whether we are teachable enough to be able to receive the things of God to be blessed with. Because, see, many of the things of God are things that we in our carnal man and our carnal mind have tried to decide somewhere along the line just aren't for us. So we begin to veto that. But I I believe, I believe that that, you know when the pain of, of changing becomes greater than the pain of change, you'll change. You'll change. And I think that we as the church have settled upon the whole fact that we are tired of being beaten down and, bless God, being walked on by the powers of darkness. And if there's really a God, where is He at? Does anybody in this room feel like that as I feel? Where is He at? If there's really a God, then where is He at? And, and, and if He is where we can, we, can, he, he can, we can attain that which He has for us, how can we attain that? Well, I've said for a number of years that we're going to have to find a deeper place with God than we've ever known. I go to the four reaches of this earth and minister deliverance and miracles and salvation to the people by the power of the Holy Ghost of the Rahakadish in Hebrew and watch God do miraculous things. But it still isn't enough. There's always, been, there's always been that missing link. There's always been something going on. Seeing people that were healed and now not healed. Seeing people bless God that was delivered and now is no longer delivered. What what is there about all this? What what is it about this? Where's, where where we miss God, and why have we miss God? Well, it's very clear, and it's easy to understand once you begin to realize when you read these kind of scriptures that the Lord said, "If thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, and will do that which is right in His sight, and will give ear to His commandments and keep all of His statutes, I will put none of the diseases upon thee which I have brought upon the Egyptians; for I am the Lord that healeth thee." So you see, it's not a matter of how many prayers that we forgot to pray. It's not a matter of how many days we fasted or didn't fast. It's not a matter of how many Scriptures that we read. It's a matter of knowledge. And the Bible says that without knowledge, we are destroyed. And if we're not teachable, we can't have knowledge. When we, when we begin to shut off God and we begin to shut the things of God off and begin to say, well, we don't need this any longer and we, 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 or we don't want to move into that, I'm going to tell you something about God. It's a dangerous thing to move into the things of God and move away from God. I watch people for years receive fullness and teaching and then bless God to ponder themselves off into, into areas and, 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 and into, go back into churches that don't even believe in the fullness of the Spirit of God. And then they begin to dwindle upon the vine and they begin to dry up on the vine and don't even understand why they're drying up. And the fact of it is you just can't do that with God. There's forward and there's forward. And there's backward and there's backward. And when you start going backward, you're going back into the very things that you came out of. That isn't difficult to understand. You actually start backing up and going back in to the very things that you came out of. You see He's a mighty God, but He's a jealous God. And He's a zealous God. So we see here that God has got the plan, the plans before us. But but you see, when we begin to shut off God and shut off the things that God's trying to do, and that's the reason I said when we began all this, and of course this all started out by finding out that Jesus is a Jew. You say, well, I've always known Jesus was a Jew. So did I. But I never realized that Jesus never gave up His Jewishness being the Son of God because He said, I can only do that which the Father tells me to do. I'll only say that which the Father tells me to say. And, he said, and, and then he said, keep my commandments. And as I told you, then we finally got smart enough, I think, to realize that that meant the Father's commandments because he and the Father are one. And then he said, I'm not greater than the Father, and yet we have exalted the Son above the Father. And you said, well, there's nothing wrong with exalting the Son. Not at all. You better exalt him but you better also understand something. Do you remember, and I've talked somewhat about this, do you remember some of the national ministry when they begin to to do such a number with the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, and they begin to write books about the Holy Spirit and everybody began to worship the Holy Spirit more than they were worshiping Jesus. You remember when I warned everybody and I said, you better be careful and you better stay away from that stuff because you got to understand something. You can't be lifting up the Holy Ghost because there's an order in which all this works. And then I wrote a book about the order and authority of God and of course, it sold about ten copies, and that was the end of that. And, 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 and all ten of you are here tonight. <laughs> but the fact of it is that, that, that there is an order. The Father is at the top of the order. I mean, even in, when we baptize, we baptize in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Ghost. And even though we know that there's an order, somehow we lose out with the order and we begin to misunderstand or misinterpret what God is really trying to say and what God is really trying to do. For 3,310 years, God has absolutely proclaimed unto His people. Again, we have to identify ourselves as to whether or not we are or we are not God's people and whether God has one set of rules for part of His people and another set of rules for the other part of His people. God does not have two sets of rules. There's never been two sets of rules. God has had one people, and He's had one set of rules to go unto that people. As I said, Paul and Peter and John and Jesus Himself kept all of God's commandment. They kept it all. And you study it, and then you begin to realize, and then all of a sudden this thing begins to awaken, and it begins to get bigger than life itself, and all of a sudden you begin to say, boy, I missed God somewhere, didn't I? And it all seems so simple once you begin to back up and you begin to realize what God began to say, even though we were told time and time again that God no longer lives in the Old Testament. Isn't that what we were told? That we have been redeemed from the curse of the law, so we no longer have to, you know, mess with that. Well, unfortunately, or maybe fortunately, our time has come. Amen? In 2 Samuel... And I want to go here. This is a little lengthy, but again, I've I, I, I got to give you the foundation of this thing. 2 Samuel 22. 2 Samuel 22. David knew a whole lot about this thing. And listen how he comes about with this. 2 Samuel 22, 1. And David spake unto the Lord the words of this song in the day that the Lord had delivered him out of the hand of all of his enemies and out of the hand of Saul. And he said, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. He's three things to him. He is his rock, his fortress, and his deliverer. The Lord, the God of my rock, in him will I trust. He is my shield and the horn of my salvation, my high tower and my refuge, my Savior. Thou savest me from violence. I will call on the Lord who is worthy to be praised, so shall I be saved from mine enemies. Now, who is he going to call on to be saved? The Lord. When the ways of death compassed me, the floods of ungodly men made me afraid, the sorrows of hell compassed about me, the snares of death prevented me. In my distress I called upon the Lord and cried to my God, and he did hear my voice out of his temple, and my cry did enter into his ears." When you cry out to God, does He hear your voice? Or do you have to find somebody else to cry out to God for you sometimes? Huh? Then the earth shook and trembled, and the foundations of heaven moved and shook, because He was wroth. There went up a smoke out of His nostrils, and fire out of His mouth devoured. Coals were kindled by it. He bowed the heavens also, and came down, and darkness was under His feet. And He rode upon a cherubim, and and did fly, and He was seen upon the wings of the wind." And he made darkness pavilions around about him, dark waters and thick clouds of skies. Through the brightness before him were coals of fire kindled. The Lord thundered from heaven, and the Most High uttered his voice. And he sent out arrows and scattered them, lightning, and and confounded them. And confounded, discomfited them. I'll get that in a minute. And the channels of the sea appeared. The foundations of the world were discovered at the rebuking of the Lord at the blast of the breath of his nostrils. What's he saying? He said, boy, God can be a two-edged sword. He sent from above. He took me. He drew me out of many waters. He delivered me from my strong enemies and from them that that hated me, for they were too strong for me. They, They prevented me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my stay. He brought me forth also into a large place. He delivered me because He delighted in me. The Lord rewarded me according to my righteousness. And you need to underline that. God delivers us according to our righteousness. According to the cleanness of my hands hath He recompensed me. For I have kept the ways of the Lord and have not wickedly departed from my God. Now, now... Well, 23, For all his judgments were before me, and as for his statutes, I did not depart from them. I was also upright before him, and have kept myself from my my iniquity. Therefore the Lord hath recompensed me according to my righteousness, according to my cleanness in his eyesight. God delivers, but he doesn't deliver you any more than that which you're walking in, or walking in in accordance to his word. That's the reason, brothers and sisters. So many times we get ourselves in trouble with God. David, David was David was talking about the day, and he was talking about the day and the hour when he cried out to God, and God heard him, and God delivered him in accordance to His righteousness. and 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 his his whole uh, his whole the whole paradox of this thing is that he was walking right with God, and because he was walking right or walking upright with God, then he knew that God was going to deliver him. But he also went on and said within this that he realized that all the judgments were before him. And, and as for the statutes, he said, I did not depart from them. When things got tough, he stayed, with, he stayed with the statutes. Now, is there one set of rules, or are there two different sets of rules? Now, what happens when we, as within Christianity, When the powers of darkness, when all seems to come in as a flood upon us, what happens? What do we do? We cry out unto the Lord. Is that correct? Yes. Same rule. Same thing that David did. Now, we as Christians begin to, in some of our cases, we begin to to bind up the powers of darkness, we begin to uh, speak the Word of God, and we begin to proclaim it. Now, there's nothing wrong with that either in the name of Jesus or Yeshua. But what you do need to understand or you need to realize is that our track record, and this is what I want you to get a hold of tonight, our track record of being delivered isn't quite as good as David's. Our track record of being delivered is not quite as good as Paul's. Not quite as good as all of the apostles in what we call the New Testament. So there's something that's different. There's something that always has been different between us and those of our brothers and our sisters back then. And the difference is, is just what I read, that David said, I have kept the statutes, I have kept the law. And because he kept the law, then God did not have any way, mean shape or form not to come and deliver David. And you say, yeah, but, you know, I, I, you know I'm, I'm just not into this law thing. Well, as I said, if you've missed, you need to get the tapes and listen. We've got hours now. You need to listen. You need to go back. You need to find out the, what got mistranslated, why it got mistranslated. The greatest thing that's ever happened to this earth is that the Lord our Father sent unto us His only begotten Son, and His only begotten Son became the sacrificial Lamb for the entire world. He gave His firstborn for us. And David was setting the whole thing straight. 26, with the merciful merciful, thou wilt show thyself merciful, and with the upright man thou wilt show thyself upright. With the pure thou shalt show thyself pure, and with the forward thou shalt show thyself unsavory. And the afflicted people thou wilt save, but thine eyes are upon the haunty, that thou mayest bring them down. What happens to us when we become haunty? Well, it's kind of neat in one way of looking at it because some of us become haunty not even knowing it because what we do is we turn our back or we we obscure God's Word through man's tradition. And we begin to believe that through man's tradition that somehow we are bringing ourselves into a place of some great depth with God and the whole fact of it is God already set out how to come to great depths with Him. Isn't it neat that God would do that for us and and not make us uh, wander around in the wilderness 40 years and say, okay, I'm going to give you all this and now you get it right? Huh? It goes on to say in 29, For thou art my lamp, O Lord, and the Lord will lighten my darkness. For by thee I have run through a troop. By my God I have leaped over a wall. As for God, His way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. He is a buckler to all them that trust in Him. He said God's ways are perfect. God's ways are perfect. God's ways are perfect. The Word of the Lord is is tried. It works. So my whole way of saying it was, you know, when when all this came up and the Lord dealt with me for how many years about Sabbath? How many years? And I kept putting it off and I kept running my mind and I kept saying, I don't want to be like that other bunch. Because instead of people coming up and saying, oh, you keep the Sabbath because you're a Jew, they're going to come up and say you're keeping the Sabbath because you're the seventh day Adventist. And I would imagine that's what you're going to find more of than, than the first part of that. But all of a sudden it became so 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 uh, thrust upon me in such a matter and, and so strong upon me, about every, about every year to year and a half, God would begin to take me and begin to show me things. I've gone back and gone through listened to myself or thought about things and sermons that I have done and some people have come to me and told about things that they've listened to about how that God was bringing all this thing about up three or four or five years ago, was bringing it all forward out of me and I didn't even know what I was saying, but I was just being instructed and flowing by the Holy Ghost or the dish. And then all of a sudden I thought to myself, we must not defile God. And we started to keep the Sabbath. And then some misunderstood. Some misunderstood that, bless God, how to keep Sabbath. Some misunderstood what Jesus was saying about, about, about when he went out in the corn and they began to pick the corn. They misunderstood about his healing on Sabbath and they didn't understand the balance that Jesus was bringing to the, unto his holy time called the Sabbath. And then all of a sudden we begin to reach out and we begin to see God begin to bless us. And by the way, let me tell you something about the blessings of God. The blessings of God are from ever after to ever after, from here to eternity. It's not just money. Somebody said, well, I'm not going to keep the Sabbath because I've got all the money I need. i got news for you. Being blessed of God has got very little to do about money. It's got a whole lot to do about your kids and the health that your families are in. Your jobs and your job safety and the things that God's doing every day in your life and the breath of the, the air that you're breathing, not being polluted with cancerous materials and the things that you're doing and the things that you're at and the safety and, and, and the surrounding of God's angels around you and your family, these are blessings of God. All of which none of us have enough of, I might add. So we begin to keep Shabbat, Sabbath. And God began to bless Then old Deckard, not being the smartest guy on the block, but not being the dumbest guy either, all of a sudden said, Hey, if we keep this, what will happen if we keep that? Huh? And if we're going to keep that, why not this? And if we do this, why not that over there? And if we do one, why don't we just do all this? People said, Oh, no, now you've become the Old Testament. No, no, we haven't become the Old Testament. We have become children of God to its utmost because, you see, God is going to honor what we do. Why is He going to honor it? Because He honored David. He honored, he honored Paul. He honored Peter. He honored His Son, Jesus. And His Son, Jesus, by the way, His Son, Jesus, was taking Passover and taking the Passover Supper or the, the Pesach, meaning Passover in Hebrew, on the very eve before Passover. He was crucified. You don't think that wasn't to mean something to this world today? Of course, the way he took it and what we went through uh, Friday night, You, if you didn't get to hear that, you need to hear that. Now, he goes on to say, and he talks about this strength, and, and, and he says, God is my strength, t- 33, and power, and he maketh my way perfect. He maketh my feet like... Like hinds feet, and setteth me upon high places. He teacheth my hands to war, uh, so, th- so that a bow of steel is broken by mine arms. Thou hast also given me the shield of thy salvation, and thy gentleness hath I made, great, made me great. Thou hast enlarged my steps under me, so that my feet did not slip. I have, I have, I have pursued my enemies and destroyed them, and turned not again until I had consumed them. I, I, and I have consumed them, and wounded them, that they could not arise. Yea, they are fallen under my feet. For thou hast girded me with strength to battle. Them that rose up against me hast thou subdued under me. Thou also hast given me the necks of mine enemies, that I might destroy them that hate me. They looked, but there was none to save, even unto the Lord, but I answered them not. Then he, then did I beat them as small as the dust of the earth. I did stamp them as the mire of the street and did spread them abroad. Thou also hast delivered me from the stri- strivings of my people and hast kept me to be head of the heathen, a people which I knew not shall serve me. Strangers shall submit themselves to me. As soon as they hear, they shall be obedient unto me. Strangers shall fade away and they shall be afraid out of their close places. The Lord liveth and blessed my rock. Blessed be my rock, and exalted be the God of the rock of my salvation. It is God that avenged me, and that bringeth down the people under me, and that bringeth me forth from mine enemies. Thou also hast lifted me up on high above them that arose up against me. Thou hast delivered me from the violent man. Therefore I will give thanks unto thee, O Lord, among the heathen, and I will sing praises unto thy name. He is the tower of salvation for, this, for his king, and showeth mercy to his anointed unto David and to his seed forevermore. Why was he all this? Because David kept the statutes. David kept every one of them. In fact, David said it was his delight that he kept the law of God. And yet so we hassle and we hassle, and we, 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 we try to try to figure in our minds how to figure this thing of God. And I'm here to tell you, you can't figure it. Some of you people in this room have been with me and, and, and for some of you for numbers of years and some of you had the opportunity to be on the front row and watch God do miracles. Watch the Lord straighten legs and take twisted limbs and turn them this way or that way and things that you could see with your physical eye. You've seen God do those things. So God can do anything. With God, all things are possible and they're possible. With God, they're possible. He said, if thou can but believe. He said, all things are possible unto thee. David believed, and David also believed further than believing. David believed in concordance with him keeping of the law. You see, the things with God are never going to make sense to our mind. Can I, can I say that again? The things of God are never going to keep, make any sense to the carnal mind, especially in the generation in which we live in today. It seems foolishness. But if you read closely the Scripture, you're going to find out that God said that eons ago that his words and his, and his way of doing things would be, seem foolishness unto man. But he also went on to say that the, 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 the smartest or most intelligent thought that man has ever had would never come up to the most foolish thing that God had ever thought of, too. So where that leaves us is trying to decide whether we're going to believe God or we're going to believe our minds. Or maybe we have gotten some people to vote with us to see what we believe. Well, now, I mean, Brother Edgar, we've got 20 people here that have got together and we have fasted and we have prayed and we believe God and we think you're full of baloney. What kind? It couldn't be pork. Yeah. Amen. So the fact of it is, you and I can vote all day, you and I can think all day, but I'm going to tell you something. Try it, you're going to like it. And the reason I tell you this isn't, it isn't, bless God, because I'm saying we're going to be a meek few. As I said, it's a prophet of God, and I speak to you tonight as a prophet of God, that God brings first out of the mouths of the prophets to the people, and this thing will catch itself on in three to five years. You're going to find these things being worn all over Evansville, Indiana, and all over this tri-state and all over this world. Why? Because these are garments of glory. This is what Jesus wore when the woman touched the hem of his garment. She touched his tallit, his talent. This, this is exactly what Elijah took off and smote the rivers of Jordan, and it comes splittering hither and thither, and he walked across on dry land. This is what it's all about. It's just doing what God said to do. Did we not read tonight in the, the oldest prayer of, of, of Jewish history, the Shema? For God commanded us that we would wear the fringe garment with the four corners? Huh? Did He not say that it, would, that it would be profitable even to our children? Did He not say it would be forever? And then we go back and have to decide who's who? Well, that's not for us. Well, then God's got two bunches of people. You know, I, I think I mentioned this once at a, that a, this Jewish friend of mine said to me, and I, I got a real kick out of it, and he said, you know, somehow we can never figure this thing out, he said, you all want the, all the blessings that you get serving God as Christians. I said, amen, brother. That's us. We are blessing getters in the name of Jesus. He said, you know, the thing that always got me was that you guys call yourself children of God. I said, absolutely. He said, we know we're children of God. But he said, how could it be that we being God's chosen children, being blinded? He said, God's blinded us until this time and this season. And he said, and then how could it be that you all, calling yourselves children of God, only are you thinking you're a different bunch of children than God, then we're different. And then you guys are going to all leave the earth, and then God's chosen children is going to stay here and go through all this hell. He said, now, if you can explain that to me, he said, I assure you, I will be a lot better off. I'm sitting there going, let's see. We're God's chosen children, and you're God's chosen children, but God's taking this chosen children off the earth, but He's making this chosen bunch stay. That makes sense to me. <laughs> Come on. You see what I'm trying to say? It's the same bunch. And I hope if you've, you know, again, some, some, of, you, some of you are letting yourselves, letting your minds overload your back pocket and you're not, you're not giving God a chance to do in your spirit what you need to let him do. As so a, God's a witness, as a prophet, this is Ephraim that's coming forth. And there's not a thing that you can do about it. There's not a thing I can do about it. I can either decide not to be part of it and go crawl off in a hole somewhere and, and just play church the rest of my life, or I can bless God getting this thing with both my elbows and do everything that I can do to promote God's program on the face of this earth and I chose the latter. And our place is is to understand that God did not bless these people because they were His children. He blessed these people because they were His children, but they kept His laws. Okay? Now, Passover is a very special festival to God, and it tells the whole story as from generation to generation as how God brought His children by miracles one after another out of Egypt and how they left, and how, how God moved, and how He opened up an ocean for them, and how He fed them with the manna when He got them out into the wilderness area. How God did for them miraculously and brought them forth out of bondage. Because if God had not brought us out of bondage, we may still be in Egypt today. You say, oh, that would have been impossible. No, it wouldn't have. No, it absolutely wouldn't have. If I said, you can't find in the history of man... Anybody except the living God Jehovah, bless God, that could have brought anybody out, a whole nation out of bondage from, a, from another nation. He, he lifted a whole nation out, started with 70 people, ended up somewhere with 600,000 or more after they knew not Joseph any longer. Now let's go on to Genesis 5.1. One scripture here. I'm going to have to hurry here. I'm not going to get through this thing. I can already tell you I'm not going to get through this thing. 5.1. I was going to try to finish this up uh, Wednesday night. Don't forget now, we're not going to have a Sabbath service this Wednesday, I mean this Wednesday, this Friday, because we're changing everything over. And we'll talk more about that when we, we stop this evening. Genesis 5.1. This is the book of generations of Adam. In the day that God created man, in the likeness of God, made he, made he him. So we're made in the likeness in the likeness of God. And we need to understand that we were created in the day, and that day. Genesis six, eight. It says, But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah found grace in the eyes of the eyes of the Lord. Now how did Noah find grace in God's eyes? Well, as I told you, and as we study this thing, even Noah kept a Passover. And even though it had not been given, and you know, that blows, uh, there again, our carnal minds just kind of go silly about that whole deal. But the thing of it is, he did. Abraham kept a type of Passover. Lot kept a, pass of, uh, a type of Passover. And yet God was all this time, was setting this thing up. And the reason Noah was because Noah did not let his, his, his family get involved with the monsters that was on the earth during that time. He kept several when it was counted for righteousness unto him. And that's what that was all about, and that was why it was that way. So, so there again, Noah came forth. Noah became righteous, but he did what God told him to do. In Isaiah 30, if you'll move over there with me, in Isaiah 30, lots of scriptures, eh? Isaiah 30, the eighth verse, Now go write it before them in a table, and note it in a book, that it may be for the time to come forever and ever. For this is a rebellious people, lying children, children that will not hear the law of the Lord. Now notice where the problem is. The problem isn't whether they went to church or not. The problem isn't whether they spoke in tongues or not. What's the problem? Because they did not. They will not hear the law of the Lord. Which say to the seers, which are the prophets, see not. And to the prophets, prophesy not unto us right things, speak unto us smooth things, prophesy deceits. Get you out of the way, turn aside, out of out of path, cease, cease the Holy One of Israel to cease from before us. Wherefore, thus saith the Holy One of Israel, because ye despise this word, and trust in oppression and perverseness and, and say thereon, therefore this iniquity shall be to you as a breach ready to fall, swelling out in a high wall, whose breaking cometh suddenly at an instant. And he shall break it as the breaking of the potter's vessel that it is broken in pieces, he shall not spare, so that there shall not be found in the, in, in the bursting of it uh, a shred uh, uh, to take fire from the, from the hearth, or to take water, whether out of the pit. For thus saith the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest ye shall be saved. In quietness and confidence shall be your strength, and you would not. Now that is really something to think about. Now how could they have been saved? out of their quietness and confidence." Now if you get into the Hebrew and begin to see the the Hebrew side of of this, this particular piece of text, you'll find out that the confidence and this quietness evolves around the Living Word, which the Lord is, that Living Word. It is around His law. When you're keeping the things of God and you know that you're walking upright before God, then what matters, what comes? Now Israel became not arrogant, but very self-assured at points and times in the history of this book called the Bible. That they, when they kept God's law, and and, and they began to realize that God would deliver them. And so when they did that, it was very simple for them to be so self-assured that it was going to take place. you, you, You know, when God does something, He does it right, doesn't He? Huh? You see, uh, when when Jericho come down, you want to guess what time it was during Passover? You see, they were they were sure of themselves. See, I, I I just figured it was another day, didn't you? Huh? No, it wasn't just another day. Joshua stood up there and said, "Hey, boys, now this is going to sound a little crazy, but this is what we're going to do because, you see, we are celebrating." Do you realize the blast of, uh, of those Ram's horns, just like the one that we got back here? Do you realize that blast of that ram horn, Ram's horn was the blast of Passover? It was the blast. It was the absolutely blast of setting them free from the bondage against Jericho. And they knew that. See, it makes all the difference in the world when you understand what God was doing. And I, now, there may be a few of you here that, that went through theology school, and Kenny may have had this when he went through, but unless you got into those kind of depths as a normal, everyday, run-of-the-mill Christian, you don't know that. You don't know. You don't know that this was pre-planned. Joshua would not have been going out there and doing something stupid, like marching around the walls of Jericho, if it hadn't been Passover. Because you see, everybody knew that that's when God delivers His people. That's when God does in the wicked. Don't look at me funny. That's when God does these things, all right? And so all, all, all he did, he said, "All right, boys, he said, this is the plan. we're going to do it." And after the, we go around, there's going to be this great blast of the trumpets on, the, on this on this uh, uh, seventh day. Why the seventh day? The seventh day of Passover. Read, now go back and now read Joshua and see what that sounds like to you. Now go back and find out why God delivered them. By chance? No way. No, it was all in God's plan. You see, if you're going to get delivered, then make sure it's during Passover. Okay? If you're looking for deliverance, look for it now. Look for it in the next couple of weeks coming at you because it's going to come. And we're going to do a whole, we're going to do some things on that. It's going to get, listen, we're going to, this, this ain't going to change. It's going to get a little more upbeat here in a week or two, so get ready. We're not, we're not done. I haven't become a, a monotone preacher yet. We, I can still be Pentecostal and get excited, all right? It's, a, it's okay. It's okay. But I also know the importance of, of, of being taught. And if we can't teach you, then we're going to lose you. And that's uh, the reason we must make sure that you understand. All the inhabitants of the earth except Noah and his family died on the seventh day of Passover. What do you think of that? (laughs) God did a number then, didn't he? Of course, we know that all the Egyptian army and the horses died on the seventh day of Passover. Now, notice in both those cases it had to do with what? Water. Right? Is exactly right. The Sanhedrin was created the seventh day of Passover. The Lord fed his people with meat on the seventh day of Passover after they had grumbled. Seven days after Passover, the Israelites and Moses sang the Song of Moses. Seven days after the Passover, they sang, and the horse and the rider would be thrown into the sea that we call the Song of Moses. Paul spoke of the seventh day, and I want to I want to start into this, and then we're going to we're going to show, How much time have I got? I'm am I'm out. Six, minutes. I six whole minutes, dear God in heaven. In six minutes, it's hard to tell what I can get done. Go to go to First uh, Corinthians ten. Now, the, you know, again, when you, and some of you have come and told me now, you know, now that this is opening itself up, now you can read the writings of Paul, and you can read the writings in the New Testament and you can begin to see where all this ties itself together, and believe me, it does. Now, 1 Corinthians 10, we'll start in the first verse. It says, Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant how that all of our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. Now, what's he talking about? He's talking about the seventh day when they went through the sea. And were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Now, who were they baptized unto? Moses in the cloud and in the sea and did all eat the same spiritual meat, and did all drink the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. See how he's tying it all together? But with many of them God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. And these things were our examples to the intent we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Now he's getting down to business, isn't he? Neither be adulter, uh, adulterers, As were some of them, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Neither let us commit a fornication, as some of them committed and fell in one day three and twenty thousand. Neither let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of of serpents. Neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now all these things happen unto them for examples, and that are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. And then he goes on, of course, and makes another grand statement in that twelfth verse. He said, "Wherefore let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall." And I believe that that's really where we're at with the church today: is that we need to begin to understand that that was an example to us. What was the example? The example was that if you follow after what God says to do, and you can't get yourself caught up. In thinking that well, it's this or it's that or it's everything, like I said, for years, I've caught a lot of a lot of criticism because I do a lot of ministry out of the, out of the Old Testament, and I've had a lot of people that would would speak to me and write to me and everything else and say, "Oh, you know that's, that's Old Testament, and that doesn't mean anything for today. Well, you know, the only thing I knew was it meant something for me, and it meant something for me today, and that's what Paul was saying. he said, don't don't forget what happened in all that. You were also baptized in that same cloud, also drank of that same rock. Who? Jesus. Yeshua. And because that you have, he said, let this be an example. Understand what's going on. That these people had the opportunity, and yet they lost out with it. Well, we don't want to lose out with that, do we? Hey, thank
1: you so much, Prophet Deckard. Again, you can get a hold of us at the website www.jewishprophet.com and you can find out, again, all this material that you're hearing taught every day, every week. Folks, you want to get out there and start taking a look at that and start ordering that material because you need to get a hold of that and start to apply that into your life so that it will change your life. You know what? You can also email your prayer request to cradle at jewishprophet.com and we'll be praying for your prayer requests. Shalom until tomorrow. And remember, with God, all things are possible. Adon Ola, asher po. I'm going the